Hello and welcome to Faithbrook Church. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Mike Delgallo and I serve as a Connections Pastor here on staff. If you are a guest joining in with us, maybe this is your first time or maybe you've been here a couple times, either way, we are so glad that you are joining in. In fact, if you are on site, I wanna encourage you to reach into the seat back in front of you and grab the blue connection card. If you can fill that out and at the end of the service, you can drop it off into the giving box as you leave the worship center. For those of you who are online or watching on demand, you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest and fill out a connection card digitally as well. Now, whether you fill out a physical or a digital connect card, two things are gonna happen. One, we would love to follow up with you and just thank you for taking time out of your weekend to join in and worship with us. And two, for every single connection card we receive, we donate $5 to Cross Food Shelf. This is just a small way we can participate in local community outreach and make a difference in our community. So I look forward to connecting with you and making that donation. Our mission here at Faithbrook is to love God, love people, and journey together. And one of the best tools that we have for you to help navigate what's going on here at Faithbrook is the Church Center app. It not only helps you get connected, but also to stay engaged with what's going on within our community. For those of you with young kids, it's a great way to pre-check your kids in even before you come to service on Sunday. Through the app, you can also manage any giving as well as see any upcoming events and register for anything that is coming up. For those of you who are in groups, it's a great way to stay connected with your group. And when we do have signups for groups, it's a great way to sign up there as well. And lastly, amongst other things, you can also sign up to volunteer and use your gifts to serve and to make a real difference and impact in our community. Now, whether you're downloading the app for the first time or maybe you've had it for a while, be sure to go into your settings and turn on your notifications so that we can send you any last minute information or send you any important updates. At this time, let's welcome our lead pastor Pastor Jim Comfort as we continue our series, Your Move. Speak. I'm talking about this uh, game experience called the Escape Rooms, right? It's kind of like all over the nation, all over the world. So the whole concept is, is you're paying someone to entrap you and imprison you in this room. And uh, you get the experience of trying to figure out how to escape this room. Uh, you have maybe like 30 minutes to figure out the keys, the combinations, the answers to the riddles. And if you're wise and you're smart, then you can finally find freedom. But it's up to you. It's going to be your move, your decisions, your wisdom. Well, welcome back to our series called Your Move. I'm so glad that you are worshiping with us today. I know it's pretty gutsy to get out here on a very cold um, Minnesota morning. Maybe you're watching us from online. Welcome to Faith Brook. We are on this series, a journey to a life of generosity and really freedom spiritually and maybe even uh, financially. And I know anytime we're talking about finances or giving, everyone gets a little bit nervous, right? Especially when ministers start talking about it. There's always maybe some hidden agenda, right? The, the guy wants to buy a new boat or something like that. You know, the one, number one complaint is the church is always asking for money. They're always trying to raise money for something. Well, can I promise you this? This series is not about raising money at all. It's about raising our faith and our maturity in Christ. Let's face it, the money is a big deal in our life. We have to deal with it almost every day. How we view it, how we manage it, uh, do we give it or not give it? It's a very complex and it can be very stressful. It's very personal also. 
It's also very private matter, so it's a little ticklish when ministers preach about it or, or deal with it. Now, but we're learning that the more we know, the more we grow. Now, last week we kicked it off. We talked about, discovered that there's over 2,300 verses in the Bible dealing with our possessions, our management of it, our, our generosity of it, or, or not, because God knew it would be a big deal in humanity. Of, through all, all life, everyone had to deal with their finances. So last week, we, we talked about the more you know, the more you grow, and we went right into the middle of the New Testament, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, because there was a great case study on how you should give, if you, if you should give, and, and what that looked like. So the Apostle Paul... He's going between all these church plants that he started, and he, and he drops in on the Macedonian people, and he is just overwhelmed and totally impressed on how these Macedonian Christians have given generously to, the, to their offerings, discovering that these people are really poor. He says, even in their extreme poverty, welled up with them generosity. He couldn't believe it. So he's writing his next church, the, the Corinth church he's going to, and he's kind of like, hey, the, this, this should be our example. I'm really, uh, uh, really overwhelmed with them. Check this out. And we see his writings in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And what we discover through those writings when it comes to how we should give and why we should give and what should we give, it really comes, boils down to three principles. And that is it starts with our heart. All right, because God wants us to give from the heart. He doesn't want us to force us. He wants cheerful givers, not grudgingly givers. And so it's volunteer matter. That's, and then he talked about giving towards what, what is our means. Okay, what, what is our resources? Because some people maybe are dirt broke. Some people are doing okay or some have a bigger income. So you got to build that into the equation. But the, the real deal is what is acceptable? And this means pleasing to God. Um, it's a satisfying God of of how generous we are and what we're giving. Now, we talked about this story of this young father. He had this little four-year-old little daughter and says, honey, will you bring me some breakfast? And she she was, from her heart, she was all giddy that she wanted to give her dad some breakfast. And she had a little kitchenette and her plastic food. And so she went and found her little plastic donut, put it on a plate and brings her to her daddy. And her daddy received that plastic donut, pretending like he ate it right. He's, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Because her heart was right. And her means, it, it, it equaled her means, and it was a very acceptable to her daddy. And, and it's a good thing. But we explained that if that same dad, 10 years later, asked his 14-year-old daughter and said, hey, you, would you bring some breakfast? And she goes in and finds her plastic donut and brings it to him. Do you think her dad was like, wow, that's really acceptable, right? Because she knows better. And a lot of times, uh, the, the, the hard news is, is that we are still giving God plastic donuts, hoping that God was like, oh, you know my heart, you know, I'm trying, right? And, and God knows our means, but is it acceptable? At the beginning, when we're just babes in Christ, maybe we are just poor, I don't know, college kids or something, $20 is acceptable. God, he knows your heart, right? But a lot of times we grow up through that and what is acceptable to God. Well, a lot of times it's not that easy to give generously because a lot of times we find ourselves entrapped in these financial rooms and we're just not sure how to escape them, right? Uh, and we got complexities all over the place. You know, every time we go to the store, we got to make a financial decision. You know, you check out a department store and say, hey, Mr. Comfort, would you like a, a credit card? Because if you take this credit card, that's going to be $30 off your purchase. And you're like, I don't know. Should I do that? Maybe I should. Uh, credit card. You, you go buy yourself a, some 
kind of um, appliance right? And they said, well, would you like to get extended warranty? Well, how much is that? I don't know, right? And then if you want any kind of entertainment, then you got to have the subscription. Everything's subscription, right? Should we do that, right? And God help us if we ever want to cancel one of those subscriptions, right? It's just so complicated. Not to mention this new spike of inflation. Well, here's this guy talking about generosity and giving. Have you checked out the gas prices lately? Have you been to the grocery store lately? Man, I got childcare. I, I got uh, utility bills. They're, they're all going up. Yeah, I know. It's going up too. The other day, I, I went and took our dog to the dog groomer because I'm too chicken to clip her little paws, right? So, so they like, we'll, we'll clip your dog's paws for like 11 bucks. I was like, good deal, right? I go in there the other day, and they're like, it's $4 more, Mr. Comfort. I'm like, are you kidding me? $15? I mean, it takes like three minutes. I mean, inflation's everywhere. And, and what do we deal with this? Before we know it, we're, we're, we're scrambling. We're not sure how to deal with it. Uh, one of the big dilemmas is our debt. Most people had uh, debt. Uh, I was doing some research, and I came, against, came up with NerdWallet, and they did some uh, data uh, surveying. They found out that most couples, the average couples or households in America, are carrying $59,000 of student loan. $59,000. Some of you are like, yeah, that's right. I got even more. Wow, that's a lot. When it comes to automobile debt, the average household is dealing with about $28,000 of automobile debt. When it comes to just credit cards, you know, buying here, going out there and stuff, they're looking at about $6,000 that we're trying to pay off with interest. All this debt can overload us and burden us. Before we know, we're stressed out. Well, Let's face it, we, we kind of like money, right? We kind of like the pop song, money, that's what I want. It's just very alluring. Uh, the more you get, man, the more you can buy. Before you know it, we can get entrapped. The Apostle Paul knew this, and he was sharing uh, with, with the people in 1 Timothy 6.10. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, now, you notice that he didn't say money is the root of all evil. No, it's that allure. It's that enticement. It's that, man, I like money, and I want money. And before we know it, it can lead us into all kinds of complications. Not to mention how many times there's been fights and arguments with our loved ones because the, the money tension in our life. So, sometimes we're just kind of depleted. We're overdrawn. We're playing the penalties. We're broke. And it's not fun at all. This is what Paul is trying to say here. Well, how can we get out of the entrapment? How can we escape? How can we find uh, freedom? How can we get down the road of generosity? Well, before we go there, let's, let's just go under the hood a little bit, and let's really be honest with ourselves. That what, what, is, what is the catalyst? What is, what is the sources of uh, making us kind of spend more than, than we have? Can we be kind of honest, right? So I'm going to offer you a couple of suggestions. One, I would say the fear of missing out. The fear of missing out. Man, if you live in the suburbs of America, man, there is so many things that we want to do and we want to buy. Oh, my goodness, did you see that? This is on sale and this experience. And before we know, we're just kind of shelling things out, right? We are consumers, right? We want. 
Now, I appreciate that we live in a capitalist society, but one of the, the shadow sides of the capitalist society, that there are thousands of people every day going to their job, and their job is to make sure that we are discontent with what we bought tomorrow and we buy, need to buy again next week. They're doing all they can to entice us and advertise to us that we need more. We need the latest and the greatest things, and before we know it, we find ourselves in debt, we find ourselves kind of in trouble. Now, I have to confess, this affects me, right? I kind of like nice things. So I have to be honest with you. I think one of my weaknesses is that I kind of like vehicles, especially trucks. I own a nice little truck, and I'm kind of intrigued of the cool trucks out there. I mean, these manufacturers got some really cool stuff, and I'm just like, wow, that's a, look, look at that, that body style and those wheels, and they put that big screen in there. Oh, I'd like to have one of those trucks, right? And the new one came out three years ago. I'm like, that is the bomb, right? That seems like awesome, right? Then I realized that the next year, they tweaked the body style. They put some new little devices on there. They throw it on TV, and next thing I know, I'm like, well, I want that one now. That one three years ago, that's a dog, right? This one's like so much better. And they're like, every year, you got to be compelled to buy the next one. Now, that, now that's my weakness, right? I, I, I'd like to... Those trucks are pretty sweet, right? It, it might be, for you, it might be clothes. It might be purses. It might be jewelry. I, I don't know, maybe devices. You know, you, the Apple phone, I, I, I mean, every nine months, they're like coming out. Uh, it's got mine, right? And they're like, oh, that's nothing, man. You got to have this because, whoa, whoa. You're like, I got to get that, right? We're just racking up. We're just consumers out there. Here's another element that might compel us to spend more is that the dirty secret of comparing, huh? We are so tempted to compare what we have with the others. Before we know it, we're looking at our neighbors, what's in their driveway, and they have some of those cool toys over on Facebook, and they're like, wow, they're getting a the vacation there, and look what they're eating, and for you know it, like, man, who, who are us? We, we, we must be losers, and we feel like we got to uh, get in there if we're not, you know— Walking around with that thing, that little icon on our patch or that purse or, or the things, and then we must be low life, right? So we're out to keep up because we're always comparing. Next thing we know, we're feeling sorry for ourselves, and somehow we're going to overspend because we need that because everyone else has that, that, that dirty little secret of comparing. Now, sometimes when it comes to giving, we struggle because we worry, right? We're like, you know, not, not this time, not this, because you never know. You know, I'm not sure what's going to happen to my job. I'm not sure what's happening to the economy. We might be get sick and stuff. So a lot of times we just kind of, whatever we get, we're trying to hold on to, right? Because we, we have this underlying worry, anxiety, and so we hold back. Now, if you notice, the, these three have a lot to do with our feelings, our emotions. They're emotional-based, right? Uh, someone said that money makes a good servant but a terrible master. And a lot of times we are mastered by our money and our desires rather than mastering the money that we have and letting it serve us. Now, here's one that gets a little bit more personal, right? That's a little bit more deeper, and that is, is the catalyst of, of pride, right? Pride. Pride looks like, you know, it's my money. I'm going to manage it any way I want. You can't have it, and I control it because I know best, and especially pride kind of wells up when we start making money. Well, wow, I got a promotion, and look at this. I am successful. It's, it's kind of all mine. And we notice that the evil one loves to use money to wedge us apart from God. 
and that we don't need to depend on God. We just, we got enough resources, right? Because we got pride. And maybe that's why Jesus said this shocking statement when he said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven. Why would he say that? Because he knows that money can easily get us full of pride and separate. We, you know, we have these standards uh, that, that we need to have our money for. And so there's not left over for you, God, and being generous because we, we're who we are. We're very sophisticated. We were reminded of this in a book that we've been reading as a staff of this Christian leader. He says, you got to watch out. Uh, certain things can creep up on you, right? You can get uh, greedy. Uh, you can get lustful. You can compromise and all that kind of stuff. And one of the chapters is pride. Like, whoa, uh, pride can uh, be a pitfall in our life. And he was sharing about his life. And he's like, you know, I, I discovered that maybe I had some pride that needed to be there. So he says, I'm, I'm on my way to this meeting. I'm, I'm looking pretty nice. And I got this meeting and, and, and I, my coffee uh, spills all over my lap. And uh, now I'm in a dilemma. I'm far from my house, and I realize, man, I can't go into this meeting with, with this uh, the, the stained uh, trousers on. Uh, something has to give. So he says, man, I, I guess the best thing to do is I just go buy some new pants, right? So he looks around. There's, the only store that's around is a Walmart. And right there he says, that's my only option. And he's like, you know, I, I don't buy clothes at Walmart. And he's like, I don't hardly go into Walmart. That's for those people, right? And I'm not sure what he's going to so this. So he's in this dilemma, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit convicts him and says, what are you talking about, man? Well, why can't you go and buy some pants at Walmart, okay, get you through? And he realized just how much pride that he had in his life, and he got convicted over that. And he had to do some changing because he just had a lifestyle that says, no, I'm this person. I'm going to spend this money on these kind of brands, et cetera. Now, all this can cause us to get enslaved and entrapped. And speaking of being enslaved, we we notice with uh, Solomon in Proverbs, one of the wisest men in history, talked about debt. He says, a rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Man, it's so easy to just, America makes it easy to just to borrow. Before we know it, we are enslaved to the lender. Man, they can charge us uh, interest rates. And if you don't pay that, then they put on some penalties. And before we know it, we, we, we're, we're entrapped because we got to pay the piper all the time. And this can bring just some, some dilemmas. We don't sleep well. We, we worry. And, and when it comes to generosity, we can't go there because we're strapped. We're just kind of broke or we're full of fear. And ultimately, this can enslave our heart. That's why Jesus said another statement. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist of the bounds of his possessions. Be, watch out. Be on your guard. Before you know it, man, we're, we don't have much wiggle room. We're feeling guilty because we haven't given. We're not able to give. We're just giving maybe God plastic donuts because we can't afford the real donuts. Because before we know it, our pride and our consumerism and our comparison and our worry is just shrinking us back and entrapping us. I ran across a story of a young lady who got entrapped. And she finally came to just get honest with herself that this is not good. And this is kind of her story. Let's check it out. 
Grew up in a Christian home, so I knew all the Christian cliche sayings, but it wasn't real to me. And I truly didn't know what living out the gospel meant. I left college and moved to a big city. I took um, a job at a very affluent bank. I felt the pressures to look like everybody else, to um, be able to go and do like everybody else, to drive the cars that everybody else did, and to live the life of the city that I lived in. I felt the pressure to look a certain way, and so I would spend whatever money it costs to look that way, meaning from clothes to hair to shoes to um, accessories, even down to the weight. I would try to stop shopping. I would try to stop spending money on expensive dinners and um, appearing to be able to afford this lifestyle that I couldn't. And honestly, I didn't want to give it up. I mean, it was great to be known. It was great to have a nice car. It was great to look the part. Um, and I struggled with giving that up. Sin always has a consequence. For me, that was an incredible amount of debt that I had inquired while I was trying to live the lifestyle that um, I couldn't afford. During this time, I have never felt so empty inside. It was the most terrible feeling I've ever had. Just felt like I was a failure, felt so gross, felt like um, God must be so disappointed in me. That really changed uh, my perspective enough to where um, I was ready to make a change. Here's a young lady discovered that she was entrapped, not only just financially, but also spiritually and emotionally. So if you feel like maybe you're trapped, the question is, then how do we get untrapped? How do we find freedom? How do we find ourselves moving down uh, the, the, the life of, of, of generosity? Well, what are the, the combinations? What are the keys? What are the principles that we need to solve to be able to escape this entrapment? Can I remind you that we're all on a spiritual journey wherever you are? Maybe it's you're not started your spiritual journey. Maybe you, you're young in your spiritual journey. Maybe you're a veteran in your spiritual journey. We're also on a financial journey. We're learning. The more we know, the more we grow. And Christ invites us to move forward in a life of generosity and freedom. He invites us to discover the keys, the principles, the combinations to unlock the entrapments and have a life of freedom and financial generosity in our life. So I cannot offer you this key point this morning to help us to move forward in a life of generosity. Here's the key point. Financial freedom takes moving from wishing to wisdom. From moving from wishing to wisdom. How many times have we wished that we could get out of debt and we're so tired of paying those debtors? Uh, we wish we could stop spending, but man, we just, we just keep spending. We wish we could give more. We really do. How many times do we wish we could not always, we could be more contented with what we have and not fret and worry with what we don't have? Well, this wisdom component we find in the Bible, if you find wisdom, you're going to find some principles and you're going to find some tools to help you break free. I, I love uh, Proverbs. It, it's just full and packed with all kinds of wisdom, spiritually, emotionally, financially, relationally. And, and, and Solomon said this, who wrote Proverbs, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. You are blessed if you find wisdom. He didn't say find money, find all kinds of success, wisdom, right? And you are blessed if you find understanding. So what are the, the understandings? What is the, the wisdoms that brings the principles that we need to find? Now I'm going to offer you three 
uh, financial biblical principles that help you get, get out of this escape room. All right, number one, I want to offer you to embrace stewardship rather than ownership. Embrace stewardship rather than ownership. The word stewardship means manager, not owner. Now, if you grew up like I, you, you just kind of figure out that you own the money. Man, you got educated, you got a job, you work hard, and so you're the one, it's, it's your money, right? Because you're the one that, that uh, earned it, and you get up in the morning, you got the work ethic. However, I want to submit to you that it's God who gave you the ability to get up in the morning, to give you the brain power, to give you the, the muscles, the work ethic, the talent to make what you're having. It, it's a good thing. We see this theme in the Bible. For instance, in James uh, first James 17, it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. So somewhere there can be an aha moment and say, Wow, if I have any kind of wealth, if I have some toys, maybe a phone or a car or my heater works and there's gas in the, uh, or there's food in the refrigerator. So is that not a good thing, right? If, if my kids are, are healthy and we can maybe go on a little vacation once in a while, that's a good thing. It all comes from God. He, he wants to bless you. He wants to give it to you. And it's his, not so much yours. It's kind of like uh, some parents help their kids go to college. <clears throat> why would they pay for the college or why would they subsidize some of their college? They're giving all this money so that the college graduate can just sit there and say, uh, do nothing with it and, and just be lazy, right, and blow it? No. They want to bless a child to be successful, to be prosperous. Here, let me help you. We want you to advance. We want you to have good things in life. Just sitting there doing nothing is, is not a good life. It's the same heart as God. God wants to bless you. Yes, here's some talent. Yes, I'm able to give you that job and that income and some of the benefits. Praise God. But I don't want you just to blow it and sit there and do nothing with it. I want you to share it. I want you to advance it. I want you to go forward. There's a powerful uh, parable or story that Jesus shared about the talents, Matthew 24. And uh, he shared about the, this master had these coins, these talents. He's going away. So he calls up his employees or his, his servants, and he says, I'm going to give you each of these talents, these resources, this money. I'm going away. I want you to leverage it. I want you to do something with it. And so when I'll be back, I'll see what you're going to do with it. But it's my money, but I'm giving it to you. You're the steward. You manage it. Okay, goodbye. He leaves. So Jesus says that the first guy, man, he's really worried. He's like, man, that master, he's a tough guy. I'm not sure about that. He gets scared, and so he buries his coins. He says, well, at least be safe, and when the guy gets back, I won't lose any money, right? The, the second guy, he's kind of lazy. He does a little bit with it. No big deal. But the third guy, he's like, okay, this is my chance. It's his money, but I'm going to work hard. I'm going to go for it and, and invest it and, and, and manage it and, and, and multiply it. So here comes the master back, and he's like, okay, guys, what did you do with my money? I gave it to you. I blessed you with it. He goes, the first guy's like, well, you know, the good news is, is that I, I, didn't, I didn't lose it, right? The bad news, I didn't do anything with it. And Jesus is like, really? Uh, that's not the whole goal here. He's really upset with the guy. They just gave him to worry and fear and didn't do anything with what the, the um, manager gave him, the, the owner gave it to him. He goes to the second guy. He said, well, I did a little bit. It was okay. He's like, oh, oh, I was hoping for better. He goes to the third guy. Guys, master, I worked hard. I, I multiplied it. I was smart. I invested it, right? And I got double what you gave to me. And the master was so overjoyed. He's like, good, faithful, good for you. He says, because you've done so well, I'm going to give you more. And he took the other's talents and gave it to that guy. He wanted to bless the guy who is willing to see himself as not the owner, but the steward to work it, to manage it. And he says, yes, I, 
I can trust you. That's what God wants to trust you with what he gives you. In fact, a lot of times he's like, oh, I can trust you. I'm going to give you more. Before you know it, there can be some prosperity. There can be some, some increase in your life if you see yourself as a steward rather than know it. No, it's my money. Now, second big one is to embrace contentment rather than comparison. Embrace contentment rather than comparison. Man, uh, it's hard not to compare. We talked about that. But man, there's a power of freedom if you embrace this idea of contentment. The Hebrew writer talked about this. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content. The word content there means to be satisfied, uh, to just kind of relax and enjoy what you have with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So I know it's very tempting to look over and say, what's the other person got in their driveway? What's in their garage? What are they wearing? What are they carrying? What's on their fingers and around their necks and stuff like that? They say, ah, right? But what a blessing if we say, you know what? I don't need to worry about what my neighbors have and my friends have. Good for them. That, that's great. I'm going to just enjoy and be content with what I have, right? And be thankful for it. You know, like I said, sometimes I got my eyes on other trucks. But, but, but you know, I got a good truck. Now, it's a 15-year-old truck, and I can easily say, oh, man, it's out of style, and it's got some miles on it, it's got a cracked bumper, and all this kind of stuff. But I tell myself, I almost force myself to say, Jim, just love your truck, man. So almost every time I walk up there, it's like, that's an awesome truck, right? Man, I mean, the heaters work, it's got heated seats, praise God, right? And it can pull my boat, right? The air conditioner work is, it's good, I love it, amen. And some other guys driving by some big old awesome truck, I'm like, good for you, brother, good for you. You're probably in debt for that thing. Who knows, right? Uh, but mine isn't, right? And I'm going to be thankful for that. And I can live free. And so my friends are something, hey, we got a new boat, or we're going here, we're going to this. Uh, and I just, I just said, good for you. That's, that's awesome. I'm so happy. I don't need to be all entrapped of saying, well, poor me. And Because my possessions, my worth, my friends, it's not in my possessions. It's not in within my driveway. It's not in within my bank. My worth is in Christ Jesus. That's why uh, Hebrews said, for he will never leave you, forsake you. And so there's an emotional, spiritual transformation to say, man, my joy, my hope, my security is in Christ Jesus. Yes, you can go down and say, what a loser you are, Jim. You don't have a lot of money. You don't have that big truck or whatever. I'm like, Grant, I'm okay, man. I'm enjoying life. Let's just sit back and enjoy. Uh, maybe I don't have the biggest house. Maybe I don't have the biggest bank account, but I have a house, right? And so enjoy it. Uh, praise God. Uh, uh, live life free because we don't have to be entrapped with always comparing. God is our source. God is our hope. God is our, our love and security in our life. Now we're going to go to the third principle. This one's a little harder. And that is embracing discipline rather than desires. Okay, uh, discipline rather than desires. A lot of times we live by our feelings, right? We're just impulsive and, and we like this and that's how we make decisions rather than our commitments and our priorities, all right? And I've learned through the years that discipline is a matter of trading saying no to something to saying yes to what you really want. Now, you have to figure out what is really important to you, right? If, if you want uh, some nice things, then you got to uh, discipline yourself to hopefully uh, um, uh, afford that. 
uh, if you want to give generously, then you have to discipline yourself to get there. Sometimes you're going to have to say no to say uh, greater things. Yes. I, I learned this several years ago. One of the principals, Dave Ramsey, who's a, he's a modern-day Christian uh, financial guru, he, he, he said this. I love this quote. If you will live like no one else, later you will live like no one else. What's he saying? That if you make choices today, that maybe people are like, are you kidding me? You're not really enjoying life. You didn't spend the money there. You're, you're, you're saving, you're disciplining yourself. Then later it's going to pay off. And while everyone else is broke and say, well, I blew all my investments, you're going to be comfortable and living like no one else because you made the, the hard choices to say no. So you can say yes for the, for the comforts. We've been wrestling this all our, our 33 years of, of married life. And I remember when we first got married and Terry got out of college, you know, and she bought a new car and we had a little baby. We needed a new car, right? And then we discovered that, man, we were upside down the time we drove that car off that new lot, right? And we had to pay that major debt. And then we started getting some of the God principles, the wise principles out of the Bible. And so we, we said, well, next time we're going to buy a modest, decent used car, right? It's going to take a little loan and we're going to drive that thing long time. And so when we pay off that loan, we're going to take the same payments and we're going to stick it away in savings, right? And then when the thing finally comes to the end, we got this pot of resources and we go to the dealer and say, we need a smaller loan because we have a bigger savings and we're going to get another modest car. And here's the, the, here's the good news is that over the years, I don't know, 20, 30, 35 years, by the time you, you get up there, you can go to a dealership and you can buy a car with cash if you're willing to say no to the more expensive things, to say yes to the least expensive things, right? Uh, for, for instance, you learn to be uh, frugal. You learn to be wise. I mean, I, I'm not sure if my wife appreciates this, right? But, but we've been pretty good at marketplace and Craigslist, right? And instead of going to the department store and playing full price and stuff, we'll do some research and take that, that truck, right? And we will go and get that, that, that dining room set or something for it to be like half price. And people are like, well, that's really a lot. I'm like, yeah, because we said new to the, the glossy, shiny stuff to maybe humble ourselves and say yes, so we can afford. Next time we know we're doing a little bit of savings and savings is a key. Man, we'd love to go out to eat all the time and, and spend for nice things and stuff like that. But we realize that we've got to trade. We've got to say no to that so we can say yes to have some emergency fund. Because I don't know about your life, but my life, there's some unpredictable f financial issues. You know, something's going to break down in your house. At least my house does. Garage door's going to break. Water heater's going to break. Dryer's going to break. And all of a sudden, we're freaking out. We're all panicky because we don't have any resources uh, back. We haven't saved. We haven't said no so we could say yes. So through the years, we, we've kind of uh, figured out our, our health insurance and stuff. And so uh, we, we, we had to say no to some of those uh, Cadillac um, plans, right? We, we, we say yes to the, to the smaller ones. And so we save for our health savings account. Well, two years ago, right, we got this 11-year-old this kid, take him to the orthodontist. He says, yes, Mr. and Mr. Comfort, he's going to need braces. Well, well how, how much is that? Is that like a couple thousand dollars? Like, oh, no, sir. Uh, no, sir, that's like five, six thousand dollars. I'm like, are you kidding me, right? For braces? Well, if you want to have straight teeth. Well, guess what? We slept well that night. We didn't panic. We wasn't at each other's throat because we were saying yes to savings. And so we have that in our health savings account and we're able to manage that. Praise God, right? So th th that's what it kind of looks like. Now, I know this, this is going to uh, think I'm really weird, uh, uh, but through our years, we've had this, we have said no to cable. 
a TV. We got, we got enough screens and info in our, in our head. But it said no, right? I've missed out on a lot of sports, let me tell you. Uh, but it said no, so we say yes, and we have taken that money, that monthly, and said yes to helping world missionaries around the world to help them, okay, and to fund them. We sponsor some compassionate children. How do you afford that? We say no to cable so we can say yes to blessing poor kids and missionaries around the world. I know that that's crazy. We, we've learned to say no to the spontaneous. We've had a discipline in our life to say, you know, we will never purchase something spontaneously that's like over 50 bucks, let's say. That's kind of our rule. We, we kind of um, had to live this out when we were on vacation. We're going to this tourist place. And um, the sales guy's out on the sidewalk, and he, he stops us and says, man, can I have your attention? I got this great product. Would you step into my studio? He was this really slick, good-looking salesperson you like. And we go, hey, sure, man, we'll, we'll help you out, right? Being nice to the guy. He sits down. He says, man, do I got some cream and some ointment that's going to make you look younger. And if you don't mind, just sit right there. And, of course, he says, oh, my wife, you know, oh, you're beautiful. I can help you out and stuff like that. Let me dab this on you. And he's going to take these wrinkles out. And this, this magical ointment, man, is for you today. And it can turn you from a 50-year-old to a 25-year-old. You see? You see? He's sitting in the mirror, and me and Terry's like, or whatever, you know, he's like, hey, man, he said, this, this is a great deal today. You can have it for $3.99. I'm thinking, $3.99? No. I'm like, oh, no, he's talking like hundreds of dollars, right? I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen, right? It's like, no, no. Yeah, I know, I know. And he's just smooth and honest, you know. And then, and then he asked the question. I hate when people ask me this, right? He's like, what do you do for a living, right? And I'm like, dude. Okay, yes, I'm a minister, right? And I'm, ah, we don't make that much money. We can't afford your cream. Ah, oh, I got something for you. He says, you know, we're going to break it down because you're a man of cloth, right? Today, $199, $199, right here, it's your deal. It's, me and Terry's like, this guy has no idea who he's trying to sell to, okay? And we just made our minds up, man. We're going to live by our disciplines and our priorities and our principles rather than our feelings. Hey, do we want to look 20 years younger? Yes, we do but it's going to have to be a lot cheaper than that. Uh, so, so, he says, uh, so he says, well, you know, your good vibes. I really like, you know, my personal discount. I'm going to give it to you today for like 120, 120, right? Right now, would you like to buy it right now? So I, I, we, we said we should be as kind as we could. See, he didn't understand who he was talking to, right? Because we don't do that. We don't live spontaneously. Even though it was a good product and it was a good salesman, it was on good, we're just not going to do that. So we just, we just kicked in and said, sir, we got to think about this. And we're going to leave. Can I tell you something? That principle right there, saying no to the spontaneous, so you can yes to, to, to the benefit, has saved us thousands of dollars. I can't tell you how many times we were like, man, we need that appliance. And I'm like, sometimes, and blame it on me, I'm like, hey, Terry, man, it's only like $200 right now. We got to do the deal right now. And she's like, we don't do that, right? We got to take time. Well, if we don't have it, man, it's going to go away. Our life's going to be miserable. Well, guess what? Three days later, we forgot about the TV. We really don't leave it, and we just saved $200, right? That's what we're talking about. If we just live by discipline rather than our desires, God will help us live free and whole, and then we can be more generous. Now, this all takes a financial plan, right? It takes a budget, right? When's the last time that you spoke with your family members or yourself or, or your, your spouse and said, Let's, what is our financial plan? What is our budget? 
I can tell you there's been friction in our, in our marriage sometimes. Guess who's the spender? Me, a little bit more, right? And I'm like, hey, I'm going to spend that. And Terry gives me that same question every time. Where are we going to find that money, Jim? Well, we got it someplace, right? And, 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 and next thing we know, we're in some, some tension. And so we figured out, well, let's do a budget. So I let me tell, let's see what's coming in compared to what we're spending. And she's listing all this stuff. Is this much for the electric bill? This much for groceries? Much for gas? And, and now, do you, where are we going to find this? And I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. And so now we're on the same page. If we want to buy this and we're going to plan for this, God, and we're going to save it back so we can pay it with cash, right? And before you know it, we're, we're free. We're not at each other. There's, there's some peace and quiet in our home, praise God. Now, these three principles go a little bit better and easier if you do this, and that is to put God first, to put God first. So many times we think we can manage the complexity of finances on our own. It's that pride factor again. But God says, I want to help you. I'm going to provide some, some principles and tools and people to surround you, to help you to, to live free, to live, help you be generous, to, to live whole in your life. And, and part of that is putting God first, right? I, I call it putting, getting God on our side financially. So a lot of times we're like, God, please help me. And God says, well, are you putting me first? Well, I, I gave you a plastic donut two weeks ago, right? And you're going to help me because you, you love me. And God says, yeah, that, that, I helped you when you were 18. Now you're 50 and you're still giving me plastic donuts. But you give me first fruits. If you put me first in your heart, your time, your treasures, your talents, then, then I'm going to help you. There's some promises. And we're going to talk about that next week, that we can trust God. And there are some promises that, that can help us financially and spiritually. And when we put God first, right, he's like, yes, I want to help you. Here you go. I will provide for you. See, but it's your choice. It's your decision to engage in those 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 riddles and those combinations and those keys to break out from this entrapment because financial freedom takes moving from wishing to wisdom from transferring from it's my money oh i'm I'm a manager of god's money from from always comparing woe is me to say man i'm going to live content let's live simple let's live free let's be happy let's be thankful and to to transferring from uh, desires to discipline and from spending to saving. See, we're all on this journey. And if I know God's heart, and if I read his Bible, it tells us that God wants us to be successful. He wants us to have some victory. He wants us to be generous and escape this drudgery and this trapment of debt and complexities and overspending. That we don't always have to be in bondage of debt. That, that we have some leftovers for when the emergencies and the unexpected happens. That we can, whatever we have, a lot of money, no money. We can just be content and enjoy what we do have and ultimately be generous towards God. I, I was inspired by this, this family uh, that found these keys and on their spiritual journey. Remember, this is not about raising money. It's about raising our heart. It's about raising our faith. And here's a great story of someone that just grew in their maturity in Christ and the result was a life of generosity. My wife and I met in college, and she's an actuary, um, so she sets the rates that agents charge for insurance. I'm a CPA by trade. I started in public accounting and now have been at Sears uh, Holdings Corporation for 13 years. So we both have been blessed to be in careers where we're able to make a good living 
and we've been able to take some really amazing steps in our journey as a result. Our pastor talked about an individual who had a gift for uh, generating a lot of income and he had capped himself at a certain point and as additional funds came in, he just gave them away. When he gave to the church, he gave so generously that a lot of his friends and family told him that he was crazy. And so he asked Bill to just remind him every now and then that he wasn't crazy for giving to the level that he gives. That was something that my wife and I really resonated with. So we just began our journey of really looking at our resources as something that truly wasn't ours and, and how could we manage them well and be able to give more of them. We're trying to figure things out, what, what it was gonna look like for us. So we decided that we wanted to live simply to cap what we were spending each month and to be able to give freely beyond that whenever a need arose. So we have managed our finances in a way that we could pay off our house, we can pay off our cars. We cut cable, we cut our home phone line, we've just simplified things. A lot of people ask us, why don't you get your new car, why don't you get a bigger house? And, and it's created some great conversations that we can say, you know, we, we don't need bigger, we don't need newer, we can uh, live simply off of what we have and that gives us the ability to give in more freely and to things that God's put on our heart. So every time another dollar comes in beyond what we were already living off of, we have the freedom to use it to help other people. So when someone needs help, we want people to know that they can come to us and we have the ability to help them. And instances have arisen where where friends have, or family have needed help with medical bills and we've been able to help them. Yeah, obviously in this culture, it, the, our kids are bombarded with all kinds of messages of they need this, they need that. And it's hard because we don't really want to feed into that. We want them to see that they can live differently. One thing that we decided to do this year was to give them $100 to give away. We wanted to see where their heart was, where their passion lied. When we've been out at restaurants, the kids have picked families in the restaurant where we would pick up the tab for their lunch. And they used their $100 that we gave them to be able to give away. We want our kids to see the difference that they can make with their little lives. Definitely by setting a cap and having these resources that we can give, it, not only does it free us up to listen to God's whisper and to be able to respond more easily, but um, there's been so many uh, amazing instances that had we not made the decision to become debt-free and, and give freely, we would have missed out on. What a beautiful story of a life of generosity. And of course, their means were, were pretty high, but they had to wrestle with what is acceptable to God. And they made some decisions. They made some uh, moves in their heart and in their finances to be a people of generosity. So what is that for you? Maybe it's kind of dawned on you that a lot of times you're doing more wishing uh, than leading by wisdom. Maybe you're realizing maybe there needs to be some changes 
Um, so I want to give you a, a couple of things to take home with you. Some, some two challenges for your homework this week. Number one is do your best to have a meeting with yourself or your spouse to just look over your finances. Where are we going? What's, what's our priorities? What is our goal? Look, maybe make a budget. A lot of times it can be an intense uh, discussion, right? Uh, but I want to just pray and hope that you have the courage to make an appointment. Just say maybe this afternoon to your spouse and say, hey, could we meet like Wednesday, maybe after work or next Saturday morning, have some coffee. And let's just really get honest with where we're at financially. What's coming in? What do we spend? What, what we can give? Because we, we just need to figure this out. That's your number one challenge. Number two is to pray for specifically wisdom. You know, there's a promise in the Bible that James um, says that if you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. God's not ready to say, man, you screwed this up. You're, you're no good. He, he doesn't find fault, but he wants generously wants to give us wisdom. He's not ready to just pull out a bunch of cash and just give it to you. He says, man, but I can give you the principles and the wisdom. If you pray for it, he wants to give us wisdom. So I, I want to encourage you to pray for wisdom this week and have that conversation, have that appointment to talk about your your your, your finances, where you're going with that, and what are your priorities. So let's, let's stand and pray this morning. God, as we wrap up today, we do pray for amazing wisdom, especially when it comes to our money management. Things are so complex in God. We know that inflation's on the rise and, and, and things are uh, at stake. So we just pray, God, that your grace and your wisdom, your principles would, would come upon us. Just give us great insight. Give us great discipline, God, to, to make the, the right choices, make the right moves. We love our families. We want to be generous. We got to pay our bills. But God, you, you've told us that if we ask for direction and wisdom, it will be there. I also, Lord, pray for anybody that might be just really suffering financially. There might be someone that's viewing this and, and watching and say, man, I'm just broke. I, I lost my job two weeks ago. We got nothing. I just don't feel good at all. And God, would you just encourage them? Let them know that, that our salvation is not um, hinged on if we give or not give. Our, our salvation is hinged on what you did on the cross. And would you just uh, encourage them, bless them? Give them great hope. Give them great patience. But little bit by little bit, they can escape their entrapment, God, and just come to a, a place of health and wholeness uh, financially, especially emotionally and spiritually. Bless these good people as so we go out. Help us to be the most generous person at work in our attitudes and giving grace and love to people and understanding. We need you, and we just pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks for viewing. Thanks for worshiping today. You're dismissed. Stay warm.